Awesome stuff. Well, good morning, church family. It is an honor. Um, I am extremely honored and humbled by the words that's been said um, by my pastors and elders. And um, But I do know this, that men and kingdoms rise and fall, but is the word of the Lord that endures forever. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm chapter 145. Um, while you turn there, um, I'll talk a little bit because I'm sure there's probably some people in here that's wondering who this kid is. Um, Jeff was like, I saw this kid at eight years old, and now he grew up to be a man, and he still have, has an eight-year-old face, um, which is true, you know. Um, that was my wife, Emily, up here. We met at this church, grew up together, dated for four years, and after months of begging and pleading and asking, I finally said yes to marry her. Um, just a joke. I actually asked her. We've been married now for four years. I about got it wrong in the first service. That's like marriage, you know, no 101. Um, we've been married for four years now, celebrated on February 10th of this month, and um, it's been fun. We have two little kids, Molly Kate, um, who is spunky and sassy, but passionate. That's how I justify her actions, that she's passionate. Um, she, she loves people, loves to play, and um, she's fun. Her favorite song right now is Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Jackson 5 version, which is awesome if you ask me. Um, and so she's going to be a little boy, Judah, who will be one this May. Molly Kate will be three this May. Judah doesn't do anything. He just sits there and eats a lot, which I hear is normal for boys. But man, he's got to stop. Eat more salads or something. Um, got to lighten up. Um, well, what I want to do today... Um, it's kind of finished impact weekend. We've been looking at light shines. Um, that, that is Jesus' light, God's light that shines on us. That, that light exposes us for, for our sinful selves, but then comforts us and saves us by his grace. And then that light shines through us. That is not anything that we are doing, but it's the light of God. It's the light of Jesus shining through us that changes the world, that changes culture, that changes people. And then as we walk in the light in obedience to him, that we shine light in the darkness. That as we go and we pray and we reach unreached people groups, unengaged people groups, that we shine light where it is dark. And that is the really big reason why my wife and I have moved our family across the country to Portland, Oregon, where we've been for um, about six weeks now. And so I bring greetings from Josh and Amy Carter that many of you know and a lot of the other people there. And um, it's going good, adjusting to Portland life. It rains every day. That's not an exaggeration or a joke. They weren't kidding. It literally rains. It's a misty rain. Uh, but they tell me May is coming, and um, I believe Oregon's probably the most gorgeous place in America in the summertime. So um, you have to come visit for sure. So, um, but we have moved our lives to Portland, Oregon to, to, to start and to, and to grow a church there where there's not many churches uh, being there for the sake of the gospel so that people can come to know Jesus. About a year ago, my wife and I really became burdened and convicted over people that were far from him. Um, people that did not know the sweetness and goodness of God. And so through a series of events, um, we, we've, we've realized that that calls the church plant in Portland. And uh, through that process, God gave me this picture in my mind that I still can't get out to this day. It's this, it's this picture, it's this image of this massive cruise ship. And on that cruise ship are tons of people with life jackets in their hands. And they're looking out on a sea of people drowning. And they turn around as if they saw nothing. I do not want to be someone that turns around and does nothing. Kay Rock, she's a legend. She speaks fire. She was talking last night. She says that the worth of Jesus is too good just to sit on the gospel. 
That one of the greatest injustices in the world is not that, that people are dying going to hell. That is an injustice. But one of the greatest injustices in the world is that we have churches filled with people that are doing nothing about it. And so, for many of us, you, that doesn't mean you have to move your lives across to the remote jungles of Africa or across the country to Portland. Maybe for you, you engage in prayer. You engage in financially giving. Or you engage in going across the street, across the lunchroom, across the office cubicle to engage your lost friends and, and coworkers here. So what I want to do today is I want to, I want to talk about that the light of God shining in the church. God has always been about bringing a people, not a building, a people that will come and gather to build one another, uh, build one another up, edify, encourage one another, and then send out for the sake of the gospel, for the glory of God, and for our good. And so I want to talk about Jesus' light shining in the church. And I want to do that in Psalm 145. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read this psalm. I will pray. We'll read the first um, nine verses. I'll jump to 13. And then I'll pray, and then we'll talk about what does that mean for us as people of God, as parents, as leaders, as students. Um, and then we'll be done. I always like to give an itinerary for the type A personalities. They like, they like to know what's coming. Um, so let's, uh, let's begin here. Psalm 145. I'll begin in verse 1. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Jump to verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all of his words. And kind in all of his works. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you um, that you have breathed out your life into this, this book. And I ask that you take the words spoken and said this morning and you press them deep into our hearts and lives. God, give us a hunger for you, a hunger for your word. Remind us this morning that our delight is in you, that our joy is found in you. So Father God, I ask that you use this time by the power of your spirit to to illuminate scripture, to teach us, to expose sin, to convict where we need to be convicted, to encourage where we need to be encouraged, to bring light where there needs to be light. So God, I thank you. We trust you. Use this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So what I want to do here is I want to talk about this, these few verses here and what that really means for us. I want to draw two things out, talk about those two things. And then talk a little bit about Portland as well, because we've been learning a lot and still are learning a lot and growing in there. The first thing, we see this in the first verse, he says, I will, the, the psalmist David, and what's interesting about this one psalm is the four previous psalms before this is all psalms of prayer and petition to God, asking God for things. Then the psalm, the book of Psalms closes out the last six are psalms of praise, praising God for who he is and what he's done. 
And it's just a quick, gentle reminder of the psalmist saying, as we are petitioning God, may our petitions always be doubled over in praise for who he is and what God has done for us. And David, in the first verse, says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. So he's, he's saying that I'm going to praise the name of God for who he is and what he's done forever and ever. Why? Why should David, why should we praise the name of God? The first thing is this, is for who God is. For who God is. The first thing we see is that he is great, in verse 3, that he is great and greatly to be praised. That he is unsearchable yet knowable. He is indescribable yet personable. He exposes yet saves. His love is steadfast, unwavering, and never changing, yet every morning new and engaging. His salvation is personal yet public. He is holy and undefiled, yet relatable and approachable. He reigns high above the heavens, yet never closer in the valley. Our God is an awesome God. The greatness of God for who he is. That I hope you see that that God is so much better and so much greater than anything else on this planet. That there is no greater pursuit of your life. There is no greater um, thought of your life. There is no greater idea of your life than than the person of God. He is so much higher so much greater. Uh, C.S. Lewis, the um, writer of uh, Chronicles of Narnia, um, he says that, um, that we all settle for mud pies on the, on the beach when God's inviting us out on a sea. That we all settle on this shore, we all settle for things, but God wants so much more for us. We're just like Esau in the Old Testament, settling, all right, selling our birthright for a bowl of soup. That we settle, we want instant gratification, we want things now. We don't necessarily look to the greatness of God. The second thing of who God is, is he's gracious. The very same God that demands perfection is the God that offered himself as payment. That I hope you see that that we're all here today, we may not be where we want to be, we may not be where you could be, but it's only by the grace of God you're not where you should be. That the grace of God is active and living. And it's what we talk about over and over. It's the essence of the gospel. That salvation is by grace alone. It's not something you earn. It's not something you live up to. It's not shoes that you grow into. But it's by grace are you saved. Why? Because of the greatness of God. It is by grace you are saved that the graciousness of God leads into the greatness of God for who God is. The third thing is that he's good. You see over and over again through this passage that the goodness of God, and this is what my wife and I have been learning a lot lately, is just that God is good. I think one of the first things we forget about is not only that God is good, but also that he wants good for us. When life gets hard, when life gets confusing and demanding, we usually question if God is really in control and is he good. But as we are going through those times and as we are praying for God to through those hard and difficult circumstances and confusing times, may we remind ourselves of the greatness of God and the goodness of God to lead us through those times. The second thing, so we praise, why do we praise God forever and ever for who he is, but also for what God has done, for what he has done. You can write this down as well, that God is active beneath the surface of things, even when he seems absent. 
that God is writing a better story than you can ever think or imagine. It is, um, it is um, awesome that we read the Ephesians 3.20-21 passage. It's that now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Before um, Portland, I don't think I really understood that verse. But yes, I can tell you, yes, that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think. Or yes, he is. But as, we were, as my wife and I stepped out in faith and just obedience to him, now I can stand here before you and say that God really is able to do immeasurably more. My wife, she, uh, she at 15 years old, she walked into Chick-fil-A to get a, her first job. Um, did not know, just needed some gas money at the time to pay some bills and get her stuff around and um, stayed through Chick-fil-A for over the past few years, ended up moving to one over off People Street and... Um, Loved it there, did great there, became the train director there. And then uh, we had kids, and so she stepped down. Didn't really understand what that was for. Um, But now, as a couple weeks ago, my wife is the first Chick-fil-A employee in the state of Oregon. We have a Chick-fil-A opening up right down the road from our house, and she's able to be the training director there to open up that store. You do not know what God is going to use now, a decade from now, two decades from now. That God is writing a better story for you, about you, for his glory, for your good, than you can ever think or imagine. My wife did not know, walking into that Chick-fil-A at 15, what God was going to use a decade down the road. Because one, that not only does that help her get, you know, do something that she loves, but it helps me and some financial thing there to focus more on Remedy City. I get to stay home with the kids, so pray for me as a dad. (laughs) Stay-at-home moms are awesome. Um, it's like the kids know it. They just know when mom leaves, it is time to get crazy. Like, let's turn up and let's like let dad know. Let's draw blood. All right, that's what we're going to do. They know when mom's out of the house. Um, so you can pray for me when she starts work. Um, we do not know what God's doing in just normal decisions. That God is active beneath the surface of things, making a story that you can never think of or dream. That that verse is so real. So what does, that, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? It's that we shine the light of the gospel in the lost world through intentional personal investment and discipleship of the next generation. I cannot stand up here without shouting a massive thank you to a lot of men and women in this room. Um, my, my life is verse 4 in here. Verse 4, we'll read it again. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Um, we all drink from wells we did not dig. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, my life, I grew up in this church. As the pastors have pointed out over and over again, that I had my diapers changed in this church. It was not an image I wanted to be in your head, but there it is. Um, I have grown through every ministry here. I have been a part of student ministry, served as in, at Impact um, I'm just a testament of two godly uh, parents, a mom and dad who love Jesus, that wanted their kids to know Jesus and love him. Uh, godly men and women that served in preschool ministry, kids ministry, student ministry, that wanted their students to know and love Jesus. I always wondered what the Marlowe's thought of me as a five-year-old if they knew that I was going to be up on stage one day as a church planner in Portland, Oregon. I always wondered what uh, the Oliphants would have thought of that kid in Awana's Um, if he would ever be up on stage serving with his daughter and son-in-law in in Portland, Oregon. 
that you never know what God is going to do in these timeless, these, these investments of day to day. That it's never sexy, it's never pretty at the time. I can promise you, if I go back to, if you ask any of the people I went to high school with, you tell them what I was doing now, they're shocked. No one thought I was going to be a pastor or even on stage for that matter. I would have laughed at you. But my life is a testament to men and women of the older generation looking back and saying the next generation is going to know the goodness and greatness of God. Just as that is our calling, it's everyone's calling in this room. Mom, Dad, are you creating and fostering an environment in your home for your kids to know and love Jesus? Now notice I did not say behind them with a ruler and notepad and saying, hey, did you do your quiet time this morning? Are you creating and having conversations? Are you opening the Bible together? Are you praying together? Leader, are you investing in students? Are you investing in youngers? Young, young woman, are you taking a younger high school girl? Older ladies, are you investing in younger women? Teaching them how to be good moms and wives. Older men, are you carrying on younger men and teaching them how to be men of God who love Jesus, love their families well for the greatness and goodness of God? That every church, the reality is this, every church is one generation away from extinction. One generation away from extinction. We are all called to look back, to call the younger generation up, to teach them who Jesus is, to teach them the greatness of God, to teach them the goodness of God. Because he is, he, the worth is too much. And this is what I've been saying uh, the reason people are like, man, what's the cost of going to Portland? And it, it has costed a lot. We've, we've left family and friends and a good job to go to a land where we're still using the GPS and we have to recycle now. That's a thing. People actually do that. Um, you know, um, I've given up sweet tea. Pray for me. Uh, I went to McDonald's the first week there and asked for sweet tea and they laughed. And uh, I'm like, hey, I'm a southern boy. Leave me alone. Um, I need an IV of it right now. But in light of who Jesus is, in, in light of his reward, the reward of joy in him, the cost ceasely, ceases to be costly. Jesus is worth too much not to give up what we have to see people come to know him. The cost is too much for moms and dads not to invest in their kids. The cost is too much for leaders to invest in the next generation in, in kids' ministry, in preschool, in student ministry, in college. The cost is too much for older men to pour into younger men. But the reward of Jesus is so much more. I beg you, man, are you investing? Are you seeing the greatness and goodness of God in your own life? Mom and dad, are you seeing it in your life? Are you seeing it in your kid's life? Are you trying to tell your kids about the greatness and goodness of God? As leaders, are are you helping the younger people out? Are you helping kids like me? How many five-year-old quarries do we have in our kids' ministry right now that may one day be a missionary, a church planner, or maybe better yet, a doctor? We don't need everyone in ministry. What I believe the church is going to is that most people will be one in the marketplace, in businesses. It's true of Portland. Not me. You, it's not, you're not going to build a church and people are going to come. We must go to them. We must be salt and light, but we also must be a city on a hill. Shining bright for all to see. That's what Jesus taught. 
So if the band wants to come on back out and begin to, to play, I want to close with this little this is a story about Portland. It's something that happened to me, and I think it'll encourage me, and I hope it encourages you. I'm in Portland right behind our house. Um, is this highway, and it looks straight at Mount Hood. It's a, it's a massive mountain. We're an hour away from it, and even on this road in the clear of day, you can see it staring at you. It's massive. It's huge. Now, as I was turning on that road one day, not really knowing what was there, I, I see this mountain, and, and it's staring at me, and I begin to tremble. Because I've been, I begin to think of how small I really am on this planet. I'm staring at something so massive and so big, it's like, man, I am nothing compared to that mountain. But in the middle of that kind of fear and thought came this massive uh, sweep of comfort. Because I know the God who made that mountain. I know the God who, who breathed that mountain out to be and placed it there. And that same God who put that mountain there is the same God who is taking and walking with my family through this whole experience. It's the same God who walked with me step with step through every single life stage, even to now, and is seeing it come to be. It's the same God who's writing a better story than I ever could. That God is great. That God is good. Do you see the greatness and goodness of God? Do you see it? Do you love it? Are you giving your life to it? Are you giving your life for the greatness and goodness of God, not just for yourself, but for those around you, for your kids, for students, for young people? And I can promise you this, as you step out in faith, as you walk by faith and not by sight, Ephesians 3.20 will become real for you too. That's my prayer for each of us, that we begin to see that God, that he is able to do immeasurably more. The impact was just a weekend a, a few years ago for our, for our students. It was small, just an average D now. But by faithful men and women came this, what we have today, the largest regional student conference here. And not just that, but how many countless men and women I went through impact as a student, impacted my life. He can do immeasurably more. The greatness and the goodness of God is worth it. It's worth it. He is the greatest treasure. He is the greatest reward. It's the greatest thing to give your life to. So I ask you, have you given your life to it? Do you see it? Are you bringing others with you? God's been all about, from from the beginning of time, bringing about a people, a family together to worship Him, to know Him, to encourage and love one another. Do you see the greatness and goodness of God? Let's pray and then Mike can come on up. Father God, we thank you for this time we've had this morning. God, I beg that you challenge us, that you convict us this morning of when we have diminished your greatness and have refused to see your goodness for selfishness, for idols in our lives. God, I beg you strip all those away so only you remain. Whatever idol we have put on our heart's throne, God, we ask that you destroy that so only you can sit on our heart, that our hearts were made for you. God, I pray for the men in this room. I pray for the dads and husbands in this room that they see your greatness, they see your goodness, they see your light, and the beauty of it and cannot 
refuse to take that to their wives, their families, and their, their kids, and younger men. I pray for the women. I pray for moms and wives, grandmoms, granddads. God, that we see your greatness, your goodness. God, I pray for uh, single adults, young adults that are leveraging their life for your greatness and your goodness. Encourage. Encourage those. God, help us not be a church, a people that just sit on the gospel. Help us not be a people that um, are just okay with just sitting in a seat and, and listening some good preaching and going back home as if nothing ever happened. Help us not be the people with life jackets in our hands, looking out on a sea of people drowning and do nothing. Help us be about, be, help us be a people that's about seeing your name praised all over the earth. Why? Because you are great and good and worthy of all praise. God, I beg that you change us, that you mold us into your image. Remind us this morning that you are the greatest delight. You are the greatest joy. All other pursuits of life will not satisfy. You alone are good. You alone are great. You alone are gracious. I beg you, by your power, your spirit, do a great work in us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Corey, thank you. Church, why don't we let Corey know we really appreciate him this morning. Thank you, brother. So Matt and the guys are going to lead us in a song of response in just a moment. Before they do that, let me challenge you with one thought. It's real easy for us to sit here this morning. I haven't found myself doing this a little bit down here. We look at Corey and Emily, and here's what we think. Man, they're walking with God. They're following what God's called them to do. They've taken a radical step of obedience. They're living on mission. And we think, man, that's radical. No, it's not. You know what it is? It's Christian. It's just Christian. It's just walking with God. It's so easy for us in our culture to to lower what it even means to be walking with God to man I attend church from time to time now the Bible makes very clear that's all of us that name the name of Christ and the spirit of God living inside of us so I pray you're challenged and this morning as an adult grandparent wherever you are in whatever stage of life and that's how I want to live every moment of my life as a Christian as a follower of Christ abiding in you seeking your face ready to step out in obedience whatever it means wherever it calls me to go investing my life in others to the glory of God do you bow with me let me pray for you and then Matt's going to lead us Father I pray for this church God I pray for these families I pray for these parents I pray for these students God I pray that we as a community of believers would live like what the Bible tells us is true of us. Christ in us. The hope of glory. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And the same mission that Jesus gave to His disciples, You've given to us. We are sent. God, speak to our hearts and give us the grace to obey. For Your sake, in Jesus' name.